0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our chat, season one, episode seven. Today, we're going to be talking about Reggie McNeil's A Work of Heart.
1: Okay, so great to be together again. Uh, Again, Wayne Luke is here with uh, Trish Wright, and we are back into podcast. Talking today, where uh, Pastor Trish just finished a course with her studies with master's college and seminary and the book that she had to review and write reports and answer questions. And we basically have spent, oh my goodness, what last 10, 10 weeks, 10, ten weeks, yeah, ten weeks. that's 10, ten weeks. sessions yeah. hours going through this book is called a work of heart by Reggie McNeil. And this book, uh, interesting. It has really high reviews. It's been a book that's been out for a few years and it has been a key book for those who are in Christian education. Uh, Somebody wrote a review and I just pulled a review off by an R. McBurnett and he said that he was given this book years ago by a pastor and Christian leader. He devoured the book. He returned uh, and he has returned to the book again and again. He has made a habit of rereading it at least once a year. He finds, each time he does, he finds new and significant insight every time he does. Uh, He bought a copy. He's been giving the copy out to people that he works with, people around him, uh, encouraging them in their walk for God, work for God, to energize them. And he says this, he says, I highly, highly recommend this book for anyone who wishes to get serious about working to advance the kingdom of God. So again, we're talking about the book, A Work of Heart by Reggie McNeil, Understanding How God Shapes Spiritual Leaders. So this is not... I'm going to suggest this is probably not just for pastors or upcoming pastors. This... Okay, I guess I need to ask Trish (laughs) you this question. Um, So would you recommend this book after having gone through this book? And give me some of your initial thoughts about this book.
0: Yeah, so I think... um... I would, I think this is, this book is sort of fundamental to people engaging with other people. So I would recommend it to others who might not be pursuing um, life in ministry or work in ministry. But at the same point, I do think that a lot of it has to do with spiritual formation. And a lot of it has to sort of deal with um, leading people in a spiritual sense as opposed to just engaging with people on a daily basis. So I feel like you can get things from any book. So I don't think um, somebody who's not pursuing ministry can't get anything from this book. It'll probably be very helpful, but I think it is probably primarily for those who are um, pursuing ministry.
1: And I and I found it interesting. In a number of the reviews I was reading, it was given to people who not um, not all of them were in in ministry. Mm-hmm. Like they were just in vocational work oh. and they... But it had a hunger and it seemed to be if, if they were kind of um leaning into wanting to do greater things for the kingdom mm-hmm. so how to do it and and how do we know what god expects of us and and is our past is our background is our time in which we live 2020 right now is our family of origin is i mean how does it all relate mm-hmm. to where i go from here on in mm-hmm. so a question i have for you um So the book had, uh, oh my goodness, I have it here, a copy in front of me. So the book had 10 chapters, uh, two parts to it. The first part was uh, talking about Moses, David, Paul, Jesus. The second part was talking about culture, call, community, communion, conflict, commonplace. So the question I have for you here is, uh, looking at this book, What was its greatest impact on you?
0: So I said I, in doing this, I've recommended this book to several of my friends as well, and I referred to this book as when I was pregnant with uh, with the boys, there was this book called The Girlfriend's Guide to Pregnancy: Everything Your Doctor Wouldn't Tell You. So it just sort of laid the truth out and not all the glamorous things about being pregnant. So I think sometimes and you still had two children, and I still had two children, (laughs) right? Um, So It must not have been that bad. But that's how I refer to this book because I think it really did hit some parts that aren't normally spotlighted in ministry. It gave you sort of a real glimpse into what is expected of spiritual leaders and different things that you have to endure. Um, You know, one... um, a few years we were driving by the church and one of my sons, they were like, so what does a pastor do every day? Does he just sit in his office? <laughs> you know, cause it's so many things flying, flying
1: paper airplanes. <laughs> that's, yes, that's, yeah, yeah, that's it.
0: Um, but I think there are so many things that, you know, people don't really know so many things that happen behind the scene from Monday to Monday. Right. It's like that people don't really have a line of sight into. Uh, and I think this book did a really good job of, of, painting that picture. Um, I said, you know, when I worked in the corporate world, I would always, and we encountered an issue, I would always say, hey, nobody is going to, um, or whatever we're selling isn't necessarily saving lives. This isn't brain surgery. Nobody needs a cell phone. We just tell them or try to convince them that they need it. So even though being a spiritual leader isn't necessarily or literally doing brain surgery, we are caring for people. Um, and so people are trusting us with their hearts, with their lives, and they're trusting us to point them to Jesus. And so that is a pretty big job that you're undertaking.
1: Okay. Well, um, so there were four characters mm-hmm. that started this book off, and, and I found it quite interesting because it pulled you right into their story, their life story, yeah. and you think you know them. Uh, when you do the casual readings of the characters of the Bible, but when you look at it through the lens of how was this very effective in God uh, shaping them for Mm -hmm. something hugely significant later. So the four characters were uh, Moses, uh, David, Jesus, and Paul. Mm -hmm. So out of those four, Mm -hmm. which one maybe impacted you the most, and uh, why is that?
0: So... I think typical of me, three of the four (laughs) impacted me the most. Jesus is just out of my league. So I couldn't see anything in my life that was comparable to him. But I think the one I most identified with was Moses. Because Moses, um, the key thing that we were looking at in this book is that he experienced life as part of two different cultures, the Egyptians and the Israelites. And there were certain things growing up in an Egyptian home that um, prepared him to lead the Israelites, right? He, um, McNeil talks about him being a legally trained mind, him knowing the legal system so that he can then set things up when it was his turn to lead the Israelites. And so I think that really resonated with me because for years I worked in the corporate world. And so it's sort of like, I have that training that I'm now sort of bringing into, into ministry. Um, and so leading teams and leading you know different uh, campaigns you know that that the organizations would launch I think that bring gives me a set of foundation that is helpful you know when I um when I lost my job when the firm closed a few years ago there was like a period of just deep questioning about what am I supposed to do? What's next? And, uh, you know, for nine months, I kind of was seeking God's will about my life. Um, I say I was seeking his will and doing a lot of laundry. My family uses a lot of laundry. (laughs) But now I laugh because I think reading McNeil's book, one of his C's is the commonplace. And at that time, I remember just being like, oh my gosh, like there's so much that I had to do. And now I know after reading McNeil's book that those moments in the commonplace, not in the spotlight, where you were just doing and glorifying God in the mundane things of the world was just as important as, you know, if you're speaking on stage to thousands of people. So it was really, um, I think Moses, because he, he had that duality of, of culture, whereas for me it's not a cultural duality, it's sort of like a training duality. Because I have that training in corporate, in the corporate world, and now I'm pursuing um, ministry.
1: So, uh, Mm -hmm. now you said you couldn't relate to Jesus. So that still leaves two more. Yeah. Yeah, that leaves like a a David. David. So how do you relate to David? Because David was like this king. Uh, So how do you relate to him? Very different than Moses.
0: Well, so I think for David too, his was very gradual. In the sense of his wasn't a immediate sort of leap to the spotlight, like he did spend some time, you know, the commonplace of my laundry room, right? Like he did spend some time before he, um, before he took up. He was anointed a long, a lot, a lot longer before he actually began raining. So I think that is probably just because even in that, like, I look back at journals that I wrote as a teenager, and I'm like, well, how did you even end up in the corporate world? Like, everything of your life was pointing to ministry. And so I just think that this was the path that, you know, God had planned for me. Or if he didn't, he's redirected me, right. which is great, right? Um, so that's David. I just think that it's gradual. It wasn't like he was born into this
1: call. And something, something about Moses and David is they both is and and so i'm interested in your Mm -hmm. take because they both really had to learn how to serve someone else Mm -hmm. uh which really affected how they would be because they're pretty big names moses Mm -hmm. i mean the first five books of the bible i mean everybody talks moses and david like we sing his songs he was the greatest king israel ever had Mm -hmm. but these guys had these they had to serve somebody for an extended period of time like way beyond their comfort zone and Mm -hmm. so here you are Mm -hmm. you know you're you're not going simply into from high school into Bible college into ministry. Mm-hmm. You've had this this journey, this trekking back and forth in this life of vocational ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Moses and David, how have you seen how they relate, maybe, or how you relate to them in regard to how this took a long time in mm-hmm. order to get there? You had to actually serve somebody else in order for God to begin to maybe elevate you to a place maybe of more full-time ministry.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I had when I was sort of preparing for this I was like if you were to look if I were to look back and say the exact moment that I thought, okay This is what I'm supposed to do. I can't identify it because it was just a series of steps of me saying yes Every time along the way right and as you said it was serving wherever I could whatever however I could do it I think even um even in the corporate world, when I would do my performance reviews, they would want to promote me and I would be like, no, like I am your person. I will do, I am serving you. I will be your sidekick. I never wanted to go past a director level because there's something in me, I think that it's just sort of, a, I like to serve. I like to work alongside people and work on their vision. So, um, I know I had told someone that one time and they're like, what, but I see you as sort of the visionary. And I'm like, I, that kind of scares me being the visionary, (laughs) but I can totally, you know, do, um, once I, once I catch a hold of that vision, I can totally be that person. So I think this, the serving part didn't necessarily come was difficult Um, I think that the serving part is probably actually what got me to where I am because it was simply me saying where can I be of assistance you know not working it's sort of like okay what needs to be cleaned in the church Mm -hmm. I'm gonna come there I'm gonna like you know reorganize the crayons or whatever it was just different things mostly to pass my days as well but just different things of hey I see an opening here let me do that um, and so,
1: yeah. And I see the way you've approached ministry uh, instead of coming to be a consumer,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know, coming to whatever an event, whether Sunday or something throughout the week where there's ministry involved, instead of maybe approaching it, you know, what am I going to get from it? You've right. been very focused on what needs to be done yeah. and uh, who is here that needs me and how can I help somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I know one of the things that really caught my attention just prior to you starting to take your college courses and coming on staff here was uh, we were planning uh, our schedules and our calendars and events and things here at the church and then you just wanted to help us navigate through that so you start showing up at our <laughs> staff meetings and just helping us to navigate through some of our calendar and it was like, okay, you're not, because you weren't getting paid for it, it was costing you to come, it was costing you time, it was costing you your your just your own finances and yet, it was that approach that there's something needs to be done and that you obviously felt you might be able to contribute something. Mm -hmm. And I, that really was Moses who had a letdown, but then realized God was navigating him to some great things. And David who had this horrible letdown, I mean, why would God take David and anoint him when he was so young and then like leave him on the cliff for how many years running from a (laughs) maniac before he would actually get the place. But in those years, a King was developed and you can't help but wonder, so I, how, Trish, who she is today, mm-hmm. what God has accomplished today, how has those difficult times mm-hmm. fashioned you maybe into a person that makes you who you are today versus if you didn't have all that, if you went simply from high school right into ministry?
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't know. I don't, I feel like I've never thought about that. I think for w- one thing that I would say is that, um, it's taught me a level of probably disappointment and retooling to get me back on the path, right? Because I, I, you know, honestly, when I look at my journals, I'm like, I should have gone right into um, Bible college. Like that was what everything that it shows. But I think um, probably there's a bit of me that I'm such a doer that I needed that letdown of... Doing nothing and um, not having a, a job to be able to come to terms with what God had for me because I can very easily go from one thing to the next. You know, I'm one of my young adults, the way she puts this is that she's addicted to productivity. It's like, okay, what's next? Great. You know, done that. Okay, great. Um, but I think just that moment where I had absolutely nothing to do, that I just really had to sort of lean into God and I had time to hear what he was saying.
1: Okay. Well, I think this is a great segue into the next part because mm-hmm. it talks, We there's four characters, but we're going to step away from that because what was it actually that helped shape your life? And there's And so Reggie identified, uh, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, six areas. They're all starting with C. Mm -hmm. uh, And they were, I mentioned them earlier, culture, call, community, communion, conflict, commonplace. Mm -hmm. So I put back to you, uh, talk a little bit about these. And because this is kind of what we're talking about right now and about this is what was happening in order... For you to really kind of be shaped into the place where God has you today.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. So he goes through these five things and culture. That was all about sort of external influences that shape your life, um, shape a leader's life. And for me, I sort of um, thought of growing up as a young kid. You know, my mom, she was a prayer warrior and she would always pray. I don't care how many degrees my kids have. I just want them to serve God. Like that was her prayer. And she was like, you, you guys can be homeless and living on the street. Um, but I just want to know that you're living a life that's honoring and glorifying to God. So I just think they're both of my parents, their focus on the importance of God in our lives um, sort of set a good foundation uh, in terms of what, in terms of even, you know, serving willingly and being so open to a life of service. So I think that is probably a big thing culturally. And, um, you know, even talking about like literal culture right now, I just think I grew up in a culture where, uh, everybody was family, right? It wasn't like, you know, there, were, there weren't there were like church friends and there weren't like family friends. Like everybody was the same level of friends. And so when we're doing things, it's like everybody gets invited. Everybody has the same access to different things. And so I just think that because I feel like that helps a lot with... Sort of the hospitality that you might see from Robert and I, because that's a focus. It's like, you know, they're important Um, and we might not be related by blood, but they're still family. So I think, I feel like that's culturally where I get it. Um, What has impacted me for the call? I think this is just the call to um, the decisions that I make every day. To pursue life in ministry. Um, you know, Bible school is not easy when you're working a full time job and you're raising a family, and like, you know, there's so many other hats. But knowing that this is a small price to pay in order to um, have something greater at the end, and not only greater at the end, but be able to like properly lead people. <laughs> like, you know, I always, I always, I heard this one time that people are God's priced possessions. And so, I need training in order to properly lead God's prized possessions. Like I, they're so special to Him that I can't just say, "Oh, I'm going to open a church today and we're going to do this." You know, I think people get hurt during that process when they, when they don't have enough of a training to um to get there. So I think just the call the the things that I make everyday community was those who surround a leader and pay, play a vital role in shaping and influencing um in terms of me I see that as sort of you like even you spending the last 10 weeks with me just taking, you know, an hour or so out of your week and like giving me examples of how you dealt with certain things in your ministry and you know praying God's blessings into my ministry and my life ahead. Um, you know my accountability partners who are part of my community and the people that I lead. So it's just how all of those affect. Um, communion was just about cultivating a relationship with God and that was just what do you do to spend time with God? because at the end of the day, that is important in order to be a leader that's full of integrity and that is after the heart of God. It's that time that's spent with God. Conflict, yeah, we laughed about this one because I'm like, ah, oh, you know. Um, conflict, that was just situations that arise, right? Um, I say, when I read the conflict chapter, it was like... Um, I feel like that was the one that I didn't really have that much experience with of all the others, like all of the others. It was really easy for me to identify different things that has happened in my life. Um, Conflict was a little tricky, but at the same point, I think I'm the type of person that if something is too difficult or if I think I'm going to get any pushback, I will step away. Um, and after reading the conflict cha- chapter, I was like, oh yeah, okay, bring it. Like I haven't, <laughs> I haven't experienced any of that, but I'm ready for it, which, you know, in my, I was sitting and I was smiling at myself cause I was like, that's not who I am. That's not who I am naturally, um, to read about conflict, right? Oh, to read about bad things. Like this is a huge part of the job. This is the part that the doctors don't tell you, <laughs> right? Um, but I think just the fact that even after reading it, I was still sort of, yeah, this isn't going to shake me. I can still do this, um, was kind of, was reassuring. And then they got to the commonplace, which, you know, as I mentioned, that was just the ordinary moments of every day, the seemingly mundane things that you do every day and how that sort of, affects you Um, and for me it would be different things like whether it is just checking in with a friend or responding to a text message or doing whatever that might be you know just letting somebody know I'm thinking of them Um, that also sort of you know has a huge role to play in this and and when it's received as well so other people doing that as well
1: okay Uh, (laughs) so going through these if, (laughs) if If somebody, if you were talking to somebody, somebody's maybe listening to a podcast or they're going to maybe think about uh, recommending it to someone else and the person that they're thinking about, they have in mind, maybe, you know, doesn't really see themselves going into full-time ministry. They don't see themselves as a pastor, an evangelist or a a missionary or something, but they really want to, they want their life on this earth to count for the kingdom. Uh, What would your advice be? because there's a number of things because there's just to continue on doing what we do is probably not enough. I think right. maybe something in this is that that if we can take inventory of where we've come from and understand how God has been maybe molding us into something in the future. So how would you what would you say to somebody mm-hmm. who is not necessarily going into men maybe they are? But that's not necessarily their focus Their focus right now. Their focus is they really want to make a difference. And they may really want to make a difference. But they maybe don't see how they are going to be able to do that. What would your suggestion be?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I would probably say that, you know, I think if it's one thing that I take from this book, it's that um, healthy people lead healthy people, right? And so I think to your point, you, you said it, that we have to do the hard work of spending time of going back into our past and figuring out different things. And maybe the nudge for them to go into ministry is actually even something that happened, you know, in their past and just figuring out what has happened and how they've dealt with things so that they can enter into this, um, you know, into that area of study or area of, you know, pursuit in a healthy and a whole way. Um, you know, I think, I was going to say my age, but I was just like, for years, you know, I thought I was a really healthy individual. And, you know, you had brought cleansing stream into the church. And it was just like, oh, yeah, great. We just have to do this. You know, um, Pastor Wayne wants this. But that did open up a lot of things. And I think it gave me the tools to handle certain things. And so even reading his book right now, um, I think maybe if I didn't do Cleansing Stream before, it might I may not have read it so thoroughly, or maybe it w- the impact of doing the hard work of going back into your past and figuring out things um, would have probably I would have probably glazed over it a lot more. But because I spent those six weeks or whatever it was of that searching of going back and figuring out where things had fallen apart. And dealing with things, then now that I'm reading this this book and it's saying, hey, you know, a lot of a lot of the success or failure of a leader is dependent on their past. I can see that now, right? And and it's just because I have done that. So I think for me, it would be probably that would be the biggest thing because I think a lot of us operate out of a place of we think we're healthy spiritually, um, and it's easy to think that because there's you know because you're you're just you're not going deep but I think that if we really all just took the time we can see how we could get more healing um, on a spiritual sense in order to lead more effectively okay no
1: that's good yeah. um, it's hard to lead when you are when there's a lot of brokenness because yeah. you'll lead out of you mentioned leading when uh, healthy people lead healthy people right and when you're broken and hurting and wounded uh, often we will shy away from certain things. We'll shy away from conflict. We'll yeah. shy away from um, uh, areas of ministry that's gonna require things of us, passion, and and our time where we maybe aren't convinced that we have that to give. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was in, I was ministered two years ago by um, Bill Hybels. He made this statement in one of his seminars. He says, for heaven's sake, inspire me. And that has stayed with me as part of my model. Mm-hmm. Uh, when as a pastor it's good to teach it's good to instruct it's good to lead by example it's good to administrate all those things but for heaven's sake inspire the people uh, and that comes out of not just being a uh, motivational speaker it comes out of much much more than that we need to be inspired we need to have something that um, will help change people's lives and it's not just in the speaking it can be in so many other ways and we have something to offer them yeah so again, the, the book that we make in comment is Reggie McNeil, A Work of Heart. Uh, it's available. You can get it at uh, Amazon. You can get it at um, a used bookstore. Uh, all those places will carry it. It's, it's been out for a few years now, but it still is probably one of the leading books for those that really want to make a difference and leave a legacy in this world. So maybe be good for you to pray for those that are listening, maybe um. whose hearts are feeling stirred to uh, be something for the kingdom of god wanting to leave that legacy mm-hmm. uh would you just pray for them yeah Pastor.
0: sure uh, father i thank you for everyone who's listening to this podcast and god i pray that whatever it is that they're taking away whether it is to do the hard work of going back into their past to figure out where things fell apart or where they need complete healing. Or Father, even just listening to that call, listening to to the call, the nudge um, to follow you and to just say yes. Father, I pray that that person will f- experience freedom in that regard. I pray, God, that you will align them with people who can help walk through this journey with them. And I pray, oh God, that you will show them the direction. I pray that they will feel peace every step of the way and that any fears or anxiety or nervousness that they might have about saying yes, about taking that leadership position, whether it, it's just leading a Sunday school group or leading a connect group, Father, whatever that might be, um, leading in the in, in our kitchens are just as important as leading in the church. So Father, I pray that you will um, just bless the lives of those who are listening and for those who might have felt the nudge, I pray that you would give them the direction for the rest for the next step that they need to take in Jesus name amen
1: well thank you pastor trish you've given us a number of nuggets to work with this this next coming few days and uh, again thank you everybody for joining us it's been a joy and uh, we'll have to connect again for the next time
0: before we go which of the four do you identify with jesus <laughs> of course of course <laughs> The one that the was right out ha- of my league. The right
1: answer is always Jesus. Always Jesus. It's always
0: Jesus. Yeah. Seriously?
1: Uh, um, I would thank David. Okay. I would thank David, mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, because um, he, he uh, part of his artistic passion and his music passion, yeah. I think kind of tweaks something in my heart. Cool. So, yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Wayne. No problem. <laughs> thank you for listening to our chat.